Welcome, Traveler, to the Inn at the Edge of Greenwood, a cozy roleplay podcast where adventurers from many realms come to tell their tales. You won't find any dice rolls or TTRPG mechanics here, just good old-fashioned make-believe and storytelling. We hope you enjoy your stay, and if you do, that you let us know with a review. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's grab something hot to drink and listen to a story. Dear friend, I hope you've been well in these weeks since I last wrote. I meant to reach out sooner, but I've been beset with a cold these last few days, and it's taken a lot out of me just to keep the inn running. However, things seem to be turning a corner, and I hope to be back to my normal self soon. As I found a moment to catch up on my correspondence, I thought I'd tell you of a traveling wizard that came through recently. He was an interesting fellow, and gave the patrons at the inn the night he visited much to talk about, as you will see. The Inn at the Edge of Greenwood, Book 2, Chapter 2, Parlor Tricks. It is a beautiful, bright, clear night with stars that almost seem large and close enough that you could pluck them from the sky and pocket them gems to be traded or potentially used in some magical ritual later on. The moon hangs heavy, and there's a little bit of a breeze to the air, um, just enough to give a little bit of a chill, make you pull your cloak a little tighter, but not so much to make it uncomfortable. It's pleasant. You've been walking through... kind of this... the kind of along the edge of this forest for a while... And it's as if a dream came upon you because you know you're walking and you you, you have purpose and, and intention. But where you started walking, how you started walking, where you came from before, a little fuzzy at the moment. And very much distracted by just the natural beauty that's around you at the moment. Nevertheless, after walking for probably an hour or so, you see a different type of light ahead of you, different than the the cold, bright beam of the moon and stars. More warm, flickering, as you look up on a hill and see some sort of firelight coming from a building. You see, as, as, you, as you kind of squint your eyes and look a little, little closer, you see a couple lanterns that are hung outside on the edge of the building, and there seem to be multiple structures kind of here attached to each other. Maybe a stable, maybe a maybe an outbuilding, hard to tell. You're still at a distance, but it's up on this hill. And the odd thing is that as you scan left and right, it seems to be the only structure in this vicinity. There is no town. There's no road signs. Um, a keen observer would look and see perhaps marks in the grass where wagons had gone by. Areas where the vegetation has been padded down from, from something being there. But nothing permanent that has that has stuck and is still here in this moment. So yes, as you look left and right behind you, 
it is very late, and this seems to be the only uh, the only place of refuge. Uh, so, Oric, having grown used to traveling with companions as opposed to on his own, um, would uh, summon his familiar, Gladstone, a a snowy white owl, um, that he uh normally has a bit of an adversarial relationship with as a wizard uh, as he's been known to uh, maybe have Gladstone help him here and there with experimenting on new magic that's not always fun for Gladstone but in an effort to be a better person he is having Gladstone participate more in fun activities instead of painful ones like exploring caves and being eaten by dragons but he would summon Gladstone and look to him and say Oh, well, time-displaced, spatially-displaced tavern in the middle of the forest on a dreamy, starry night that we lost ourselves in. What could possibly go wrong? And he'll uh, begin stepping through the, the forest to uh, enter the tavern. Gladson cocks his head and kind of looks at you at that and then looks up at the tavern and back at you and doesn't reply, obviously, but... Uh... Seems to take note of of your phrase. As you get closer to this tavern in building whatever it is, uh, you notice it's a, a very kind of familiar rural structure with fieldstone along the base, white uh, kind of paneled wood walls that go up. You do notice at this point that that second building you thought you caught eye of is indeed a stable. Um, you can hear horses kind of whinnying in there, um, moving about. And there is a, as you get even closer, there, there's a low bit of noise coming from the inside. It sounds like people talking, eating, um, perhaps a light bit of music being played. Certainly it doesn't seem abandoned by any stretch of the imagination. And as you get even closer, you know for sure it's not abandoned because the door bursts open and a man, uh, a halfling man, stumbles out, uh, very obviously deep in his cups at the moment, and uh, kind of begins to stumble around the corner of the building, perhaps to relieve himself, uh, perhaps to find his next bit of adventure for the night. But the door stays open behind him, and you can hear more commotion. You can almost feel that warmth of the fire, uh, and you definitely start to smell cooking food, smell of beer. Uh, it's very inviting, very idyllic. Well, it's better than the cold here, and don't want to get lost in the stars again. Louis Gladstone. Uh, fellow, are you are you going to be all right out here? Uh, he kind of turns uh, like shakily over his shoulder. And you can't quite actually make out the words of what he's saying. They're much too slurred. Uh, but he kind of waves you as if to say, I'm fine, I'm fine. Let let me let me uh, help you a little bit, sir. I've, you, you seem like a, a fine fellow. You look a little bit lost, a little bit deep in the cups. And if I've learned anything from my uh, my my newest friends, there this can be a bit painful to be this way. Let me just at least broaden your mind a little bit. Uh, and you would go up to him and um, and cast. Uh, Fortune's favor on him. 
okay. it's sort of a spell that um you know is just opens the mind of the individual to give them views of alternative timelines and allows them to pluck their fate from from time and space itself gives them that luck points they might need <laughs> as you cast this upon him he is much too slow in his reflexes to dodge you by any uh, stretch of the imagination you do notice that while luckily uh, he is not fully in the process of relieving himself yet the, the pants have started to become unbuttoned uh, and you catch him in this compromising situation you tap him on the <laughs> forehead and cast fortune's favor you notice that his eyes widen and almost begin to reflect the stars above him uh, his face goes from red to pale as he looks upon vast multiple infinite possibilities and his little rural halfling mind is all at once blown uh, by this magical touch he comes to a little bit and kind of looks up at you and goes right um looks down realizes his pants are unbuttoned begins to button them back up and um <laughs> yes well then um of course yes uh uh Good evening. And he just turns and like begins walking. Like he begins walking a direction. You don't see any building that way. He's just booking it. Uh, I would just shout out to him as I would turn back to the tavern. Uh, don't lose your trousers and seize your fate. All right. <laughs> he calls out and then disappears into the darkness. I would look to Gladstone as I walk back and just like. You see, I can I can do nice things, right? It was a nice little charitable thing. Gladson kind of ruffles his feathers real quick, Ooh. settles back down. As you come up to the doorway of the inn, looking inside, uh, it is very warmly lit. Wonderful warm smells of some sort of meat cooking, a little sweet, probably ham, and. You see a bar uh, that is L-shaped in the kind of right-hand side of the of the building. The door is a little bit on the right, so really it's almost directly in front of you as you come into the building. There's a coat rack off to the side to your right, and then looking down the left, it is a large banquet hall-style building with big ceilings, vaulted ceilings, big wooden beams that cut across, and a large stone fireplace that is roaring on the other side. There are probably two dozen people in here, um, quite a few, um, considering how you know timid the noise was that you were hearing. But many of them seem to be watching uh, someone who is standing at the kind of off to the side of the fireplace. And at your first instinct is to think, oh, they have a bar tonight. But then you begin to see this person conjuring things out of thin air and lighting their hand on fire and snuffing it out, uh, producing items from behind people's ears. Uh, there's a magician in the tavern tonight, and he has people spellbound. Um, <clears throat> Oric would take note of that um, before checking in at the bar with the owner for a room and maybe a drink and dinner. But he would be keeping his eye on this this magician. Um, any form of magic is immediately curious to Oric. <laughs> As you come up to the bar um, and begin to speak with the the innkeeper, he is a young man with a slight build, uh, brown shaggy hair. 
He's wearing plain clothes and a brown leather apron over top. Uh, and he greets you warmly. He's like, welcome, welcome, traveler. Um, and as you as you drop either your hood or take your hat off um, and he gets full look at you, um, there's a, a little bit of a pause and then a broad smile that comes across his face. He's like, we're so glad to have you, visitor from the Northern Realms. Uh, what can I get you this, this fine evening? Oh, well, uh, certainly the pleasure is mine. Such a lovely... Establishment to have a, you know, a magician, a wizard, a magic user to, as entertainment instead of any everyday bard. Uh, we were just as surprised as you are uh, when he showed up. Uh, it is not often that we have uh, such extravagant entertainment, but I certainly couldn't say no. And as you can see, my uh, my hall is packed because of it. <laughs> uh, lucky you, I suppose. Uh just a wine and uh, whatever you have cooking for dinner. Absolutely. Maybe a room for the evening. Certainly. Um, I will need a name in exchange for the room, if you please, sir. Oric Solaris. And he pulls out a big book, throws it open, writes your name down, slides a key across the bar to you, and instructs you on where that would be up on the second floor. He then turns around and uh, pours you a dark red wine. Uh, out of a, a nearby cake and places that and uh, says uh, food will just be a couple minutes. Um, any dietary restrictions we should know about? I'm afraid we don't have visitors from the north terribly often. Oh, none, none at all. I have, I have strong constitution, strong stomach. Whatever would be fine. Well, hopefully you won't need that constitution here. <laughs> hopefully our food <laughs> is agreeable to you. But yes, I'll bring you a plate. And he disappears back into a back door where very quickly, like briefly, you see a kitchen uh, before it shuts behind him. And within a couple of minutes, you are brought a plate with um, some shaved ham and potatoes, um, some kind of uh, uh, sautéed spinach and onions as well. And uh, he places a, a, a cup of mead down as well. He's like, I know this isn't what you ordered, but it goes very well with everything. So on me. You're too kind, sir. Now, question for you. Do you have Gladstone out right now? Uh, yes. Yes, he would. Uh, then the innkeeper would, after serving you your food, kind of step back and, you know, take a rag and wipe his hands. And um, you see him begin to speak, but then pause as if to decide whether or not to ask the question. Uh, but then he does take a step forward and say, forgive me. Um, I, I don't mean to be overly curious, but... Uh, may I ask you a, a question about your 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 little uh, feathered companion there? Um, Oric would have um, he would have, I imagine Oric would have been awkwardly just like staring at the guy as he was <laughs> in front of him still, um, but not in like the way of like someone just sort of being like uh, get out of here kind of way, but like just in the way like he himself not fully understanding if he's messed up some kind of mortal human protocol ah. and it's just sort of like uh thinking like do, do i need to tip you is this a <laughs> uh you uh is there a ritual here i'm forgetting uh but once he comes to ask the question oh oh of course you should never apologize for being curious be happy to answer your questions about gladstone Oh, Gladstone. Um, I guess my question is very simple. I've never had anyone bring a, a, a pet owl in before. Um, 
How did you tame it? Oh, well, that is a very uh, 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 basic and simple question with an answer that is probably a bit different than what you were expecting. Orc will begin talking completely through the guy and not really, like, he, he's much more interested in just talking about the owl than, like, actually answering the question. He's like, well, first of all, uh, he's not an owl. He's not a creature, per se. He's uh, uh, what you might call a creature of... Um, entity of the Feywild, actually. Um, oh, he's long a familiar. Ago. Yes, of course. Uh, and, he, me and, and him and I, uh, and he'll kind of give side eyes to, to Gladstone, knowing this has been a precarious conversation, a topic for them. Uh, he and I have entered into an accord, uh, a pact, if you will. He uh, does his duty as a familiar, and I show him the world. It's the original terms, and You've seen quite a lot. That's fascinating. I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm no great wizard, but I dabble in, in small tricks, and um, I've, I've heard of, of wizards conjuring familiars, and I've always wondered if that's something I might learn myself one day. This is, you, you must be a great sorcerer indeed. <laughs> I have studied quite a lot and over centuries to get to where I am. Uh, it has been a wonderful, yes. Would you would you be interested in 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 a, a small demonstration showing showing a a, a trick or so? Elric uh, is suddenly uh, a bit more um, aware of his surroundings. Uh, yes, uh, Tavern seems innocent enough. No, no tricks from you, right? Before you can even finish your sentence, as soon as he heard the yes, uh, the innkeeper has turned to the entire hall and been like, everyone, everyone, and clapped his hands and everyone kind of turns. He's like, we are blessed by Adeline tonight. We have been given not one, but two magicians to grace our halls. Uh, Please welcome Auric and Gladstone. And he just kind of like points to you. He's like, was that good? Uh. It's been a while since my performing days, but I believe, uh, yes, bravo, excellent. Or uh, uh, we'll kind of look around at the different folks um, <clears throat> and the other magician to see what their reaction is. The other magician, everybody is, everybody in the hall is clapping. They are thrilled. They came for a very rare show <laughs> and they got two. The other magician is shooting daggers your way. This was his show, and now you're <laughs> here to steal his tips. Uh, not not having it, but of course, being a consummate professional, he must have, you know, after the initial daggers, a polite smile and beckons you to the stage next to him. Oric would uh, definitely um, take a second to really appreciate it and then... Um because he was in his youth like very long time ago dabbled in bard barddom um in sharing stories so that little bit of uh the performer takes a second for him to shake the 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 muscles uh loose but he would step up um and kind of look around to the crowd well what sort of uh displays uh, is this crowd interested in what's what say you uh my magician friend 
Uh, so you now getting a closer look to the magician. Um, he appeared to be, you know, human, half elf, perhaps from a distance. But as you get closer, you notice um, kind of up around the neck and going onto the jawline a little bit these blue scales um, that are are quite metallically shiny. Um, and you get the sense maybe perhaps dragonborn or half dragonborn, hard to tell. Um, but he uh, kind of steps up and snaps his fingers and. Uh, a blue flame appears wreathing his hand, and he goes, Well, <laughs> the people, of course, want to see danger and intrigue. I wonder, my friend, can you do anything quite like this? And he begins to, like, juggle the flame between... It's a very simple produce flame spell, yeah, um, yeah. but uh, he's juggling it and making a good show of it. <laughs> oh, a uh, delightful trick good for... Uh inspiring children uh and uh there's a little Oric... murmur to the crowd <laughs> at that line Oric would look at him and, and sort of grin and then look to the audience and just kind of absently stare around and try to access the performer inside i i i believe something more dangerous would be interesting juggle my friend does anyone have uh an item any of you travelers carry with you some, perhaps a dagger, a sword? There is a collective shing as about seven daggers are pulled and held up. Uh, everybody eager for you to choose theirs uh, to use in the uh, performance. Um, Auric would uh, um, reach out and, and look to see for the um, shiniest, most uh, kind of visible, uh, elegant dagger that he can find, send a mage hand out to grab it. You pluck a long, thin-bladed dagger from the hands of a, uh, a gnome woman, uh, and it definitely looks like it's more of a ceremonial dagger. It has, you know, some gold in it, some uh, a, a somewhat semi-precious gem. Uh, it doesn't look to be hearty uh, by any means, but uh, a good thing for, for putting on the belt uh, and pluck mm -hmm. that from the air. And uh, he would uh, as, have that kind of floating next to him um, as he looks to the uh, magician and says, I do believe uh, the folks here would like to see you juggle a bit more. So perhaps you will are the greatest sorcerer here if you can handle both fire and steel. And uh, he'll gesture to the dagger for the magician to juggle with it and He'll take the dagger into his own hand and kind of twirl it a little so that he's holding the blade and handing the handle over to the um, the magician to add to his juggling flames. The magician takes it uh, with a laugh. <laughs> Not a problem whatsoever. And begins a very simple juggle. Before he does that, as he reaches for it, Auric will, in a very, I imagine, almost like... Uh, Charlie Chaplin style physical humor to this. Um, as soon as he grabs it, Oric is going to cast immovable object on it. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and then kind of hand it to him. Once he sees it, grabs it, and he firmly grips it and is going to act, act as if he's going to use it. Oric will kind of let go of it and immediately turn to the audience and just clap his hands together as the object is there in, in, in the middle of the air. Um, and, uh, and you handed it to him. Uh, handle first. Handle first, yeah. 
Okay, so he does not slip on the blade and cut himself. Uh, he does grab the <laughs> handle, and there, there's no reason for him to tug hard at this. He, he imagined it was going right into his palm, and so he goes to juggle, and he almost begins the motions without it in his hands. And it takes him two or three passes before he even really realizes what's going on. The crowd begins giggling and laughing as they watch it. Uh, and he kind of turns and looks at it and gives you a look and then grabs it and pulls it with a little more force. Nothing happens. It doesn't move. And he gives it one more tug and then backs away a little bit, not wanting to be made a fool of and like, uh -huh, a very good trick, a very good trick, my friend. And you see, as there was all this laughter and whatnot, you you know, anyone would looking at Oric would notice that he seems to almost look to his side as if to smile and look to companions that are not there or to see to ensure their enjoyment and kind of looks back mm. with a still appreciating the moment, looks back a bit, um, a bit sad at this, um, but grins as soon as he locks eyes again with his magical opponents. <laughs> the uh, other magician gives you a slight bow and a polite clap and everybody else cheers and, and gives you a, a warm round of applause uh, and you hear a somewhat drunken uh, halfling uh, man in the back uh, kind of raises his hand and shout up can you turn this one into a toad and he like points to his friend that he's drinking with next to him. Everybody laughs at the, the silliness of the idea uh, and the heckler. Uh, Oric would um, smile and, and, and laugh at this uh, as he would say, uh, not that sort of wizard friend. Such, uh, such things are very possible and very doable and I've witnessed it before, and I've heard of those who've changed to toads, changed to bears, to large turtles. They all come back with different stories of what it was like, but no, I am not that kind of wizard. Though I can give you visions and let you see beyond reality every possibility of your life, if you so wish. Perhaps if a man or woman or anyone could pull this dagger from the air, the reward could be visions of your future. In the same speed that the daggers were offered to you, chairs began to shove back from tables as probably 10, almost half of the patrons here uh, begin rushing to the front and lining up uh, to try their hand at the Arthurian challenge. Um, the first person who comes up is a, uh, a human female um, with red hair uh, that is uh, kind of close cropped by her, by her shoulders. She has bangs um, and a friendly face. And she kind of gives you a look uh, with a little bit of a raised eyebrow as she grabs it and then gives it a tug. Does it, does it move? Uh, it, uh, it's, it does not. Um, it's, okay. uh, um, he, he's gonna give it a few goes before he'll let someone, uh, okay. uh, take it. She snaps her fingers in disappointment and goes and sits down. The next person comes up, a burly, what looks like to be a, like a half-dwarf man, you know, spitting in his hands and rubbing his palms together, and he grabs it by two and, and hands and gives it a tug and ends up hanging from it for a moment, uh, trying to put all his weight on it, um, but it does not move. And 
so the process goes for a few until you so decide uh, to let it free. I think Oric would wait until there was someone who looked a bit, um, a bit scrawnier, maybe someone who is younger too, maybe like a, um, uh, you know, like a, a scrawny teenager that everyone sort of doesn't think is going to have any kind of ability mm. to move this at all. Yeah. There's a, there's a person um, who comes up and uh, looks to be a human with scraggly blonde hair and they reach out for it uh, very slight slender build and th- you can tell that they got in line out of um, almost peer pressure or just the excitement of the moment uh, but now having seen so many people fail in front of them the pull is one handed and half hearted it's almost as if to like let's just get it over with and I'll go sit back down but much to their surprise the dagger comes with them back to their back to their side as their hand goes down. And they kind of start and look at it and look up at you and <laughs> everybody cheers. And they just stand <laughs> there like kind of dumbfounded as to, to what happened. We have ourselves a winner here, it seems. Congratulations, uh uh young man, right? Young 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 lad, uh uh Um Either's, either's fine. My name's Syl. Oh, good, good. I sorry, I have trouble at times discerning um, proper age of, of humans. Uh, um, but what you've won, a glimpse into beyond to infinite realities. And beyond even that. Are you ready? Um. Okay. I just kind of stand there almost frozen in front of you. <laughs> And he would cast Fortune's Favor on this, okay. this, this, this person. A similar opening of the mind as the drunken <laughs> halfling outside, <laughs> but with a little more foreshadowing this time and a little more anticipation. And as you see the stars uh, that could not be seen here in the, the ceiling of the, of the tavern suddenly reflected in their eyes, it comes back. And the face just cracks into a, a small smile. And you see the eyes well up with tears a little bit. And then they just say, thank you, sir. And they go back and sit down. And everybody kind of like rushes around them. Like, what did you see? What did he do? What did he? Like no one else really experienced what yeah. this was. Uh, but pretty soon you are kind of forgotten and lost in the novelty of everybody asking Syl what happened to them um, in this moment. Uh, if you find your way back to the bar, um, the innkeeper is uh, just smiling ear to ear and shaking his head a little bit. And uh, as you approach, he gives you a little bit of a, of a private applause. Uh, and he says, I am sorry for putting you on the spot. I got a little ahead of myself there. But my goodness, what, a, what an incredible display. You are phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you, friend. Uh has been uh, many, many s- since I've done any kind of performance. Uh, adventuring lifestyles don't tend to leave room for such laughter. Um, drink is on me. Another wine? Something different? No. It's a lovely wine, so I'll, wine will, will do. He pours another one and slides it to you and, and then says, 
you you speak of adventure and well I could be overstepping but it's you seem to almost look about you for for friends up there at the beginning you are why are you traveling alone you are, you seem the type to to be a part of a well a party or whatnot good question you're very curious yes I was traveling. I have a tendency to gaze upon the stars and it's a bit of myself. I suppose that happened. How I'm here. Don't fully know why or how I'm here. I'm being truthful with you, sir. Well, to be truthful back, it's... <laughs> you're not the first person to find themselves here and not know exactly how or why. This is a... Well, this is a strange and wonderful little place in the kingdom. Um, you could be from anywhere, but fear not. Everyone who finds their way through my door eventually makes it home. Interesting. Do you seem like you're aware of the spatial anomaly affecting your tavern? Potential spatial um, anomaly, I suppose. Well... The, the planes of existence tend to be thin. The boundaries between them thin in this in this spot. Really quite across the kingdom, but especially here. I don't know if it's always been that way, but it seems to be even more so as of late. <laughs> Fascinating. I wasn't in such a dreamy mood. I think I'd be more interested in investigating this and understanding the magic that is thinning the veils here, but I suppose to return to your question. Yes, I travel with some friends of opportunity, really. Uh, I haven't been without them in a long time. When I'm alone, I tend to need to remind myself those that came with me before. Bit of a effect of uh, long life. It's unexpectedly spotty memory when it comes to those in life. Over the centuries, I've forgotten. Vague ghosts in my mind now, but these people I don't wish to forget. Oh, I look for their faces. He's taken on a little bit more of a somber mood, matching yours, seeing the gravity of the the emotions that weigh on you. And he sits down at a little stool across from the bar and just kind of leans in. Who? What? What are their names? Who is it that you travel with? Well. The one I traveled with the most. <laughs> She's a sweet woman. Bigger than half the uh, men in this bar. You could take anyone out. But she loved sweets. <laughs> Bit of a funny story how we met. I. When you're uh, ageless, so to speak, undying. 
the, your greatest fear is is not um, death. Usually, your greatest fear is often getting stuck. And uh, she found me. I I was wandering aimlessly in a wood much like this one staring up at the stars again as I'm wanting to do and well let's just say there was a I don't know a fur trader or a hunter's trap and I stepped on it and up much like the uh, magical illusions dancing around I swung up into a tree by my foot and I hung there my civil book out of reach and for all intent and purposes at the time I thought it was it this was where I'd be until I starved to death. Uh, but she found me. Cut me down and been, were together ever since. Barbarian from the north. What a gentle creature. Sounds like a good companion to have. A good friend. Sloan was her name. I have heard, though I've not lived as long as you, I would imagine. Uh, but I have heard that names and memory hold much power and that while we remember the names of those uh, that we love, we keep them alive. Is... Well, is, is Sloane gone? Or is she just separated from you? I hope just separated. We've... We've not been separated in a while, and like I said, I wandered here as if in a dream. Hmm. Perhaps it's a dream that'll take you back. One can hope. But a lovely dream. Well, we do our very best, <laughs> as far as dreams go. <laughs> if I may press upon you for one more question, I magical <laughs> tavern or no uh, tavern keepers across the land are uh, blessed to have quite a few interesting characters come through their doors. It is, as far as the ones I've talked to, one of the great joys of this profession. Getting to meet so many different interesting faces and hear their stories. And I personally have a bit of a fascination with small magics and I've been dabbling myself, and he does a little cantrip, uh, produces a little light at his fingertips. Very simple. Um, but I always wonder, the thing that sticks with me more than any as adventurers come through my, my door is... I don't know that I was born with that adventuring spirit. I'm quite content to stay here and run this place and serve these people, and certainly I have my daydreams, but what is it that calls you? What is it that... Why be on the road? Why seek out danger? Why... Why go looking for... things that... I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Things that could try to hurt... that could harm you. It seems rather, um... Well, forgive me, rather reckless and... <laughs> quite terrifying. Well, you... You wouldn't be the first... Uh... You described me as reckless. Uh... It is reckless. Sometimes it's the... Most foolish thing you could do. It's adventure. Uh... But... 
there's a thrill mm. to a point of stunning me. Absolute paralysis at the idea of seeing something truly new and novel. But as much as you here in your tavern see all sort of folk I've found adventuring to cement undying friendships. I did not value that in most of my life. Centuries. Venturing creates bonds. Hmm. Well, wherever the realm is that you're from, you must be a great man with many glad to call you their friend. <laughs> Perhaps, I hope, but like you said, recklessness comes with the foolishness of adventure and I, in this adventurous mindset, have broken trust of many people before. Burnt bridges, as they say. With the bonds also come severing of bonds. Especially, spent many years selfishly venturing for just your own diet. Hmm. There's always a new day. Well, this is true. <laughs> you make bonds, you break bonds. New day comes. Seasons turn. Time never stops. It's all quite cyclical. And <laughs> I had a conversation with a traveler once about whether or not it even matters. If it's all just going to repeat itself. But, not to get too morose, I think it does. And I think that the beauty of people such as us is that we are not the seasons. We can change in our own time, in our own way, if we so choose. You see, Orc would uh, smile widely at that and hold up a hand. And you see appearing in his hand is this um, magical orb that's kind of like pitch black. It has mm. these different lines moving across it. And he would look at it and say, oh, don't, don't tempt me with an offer of existential discussion of time. <laughs> only had two I'm afraid I do, have, uh, I do have my own chores to get to. That would, uh, that would probably take us most through the night. <laughs> oh, all I'll say before I let you get back to you is time is... Everyone thinks it's a circle. Wise men, women, circle. While there is a rounded cyclicalness to it, it's much more a web. Where lines move all about, return back to one another. All choices, all things happen together at once. And you choose what path you take on that. So then I wonder if there's a way to jump to that other road. Now we are getting existential. <laughs> <laughs> that is the question. But perhaps for another drink. Well, if you find yourself here in the morning, some do, some don't. After coming here from another realm, I'll be happy to waste the day with you talking about whether or not 
time is a fabrication of our own consciousnesses or some sort of outside force that has been pressed upon. And it, as he says this, there's, there is a scholarliness that starts to come out that is not necessarily what he presents um, upon first meeting this simple tavern keep. Um, but he, uh, he finishes up and uh, offers you another drink if you want it and starts to usher people out of the, out of the room now that it's uh, well past midnight uh, at this point. Uh, he pays the magician who um, does come up to you sheepishly once most people are gone. He, wait, he waits until the place is pretty cleared out, uh, but does come up to you <clears throat> before he leaves and just, <clears throat> I say, um, that was a, that was, that was, that, that was a very good trick. It, it was. Um, would you, would you, just you know, between colleagues, of course, you know. Um, what 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 was that? What did, what, what spell was that? <laughs> it was quite a good trick, wasn't it? Uh, and or you know, maybe it's maybe it's the uh, uh, the kindness of this curious innkeeper. Maybe it's the three wines. But he'll uh, <laughs> he'll drop his spell book out and flip through the pages on big tome and kind of brandish this long, uh, almost mathematical-like magical equation of runes. And he says, well, it all begins right. And uh, you see the the magician all of a sudden, like, lean back and shake their head and go, no, nah, sorry, that's not my, that book stuff's not for me. I tend to just figure things out on my own. <laughs> Thanks anyway, though. Um, you're, are you going to be around for a while, or is this, <sighs> like, clear space like i was planning on being here for at least a few evenings i will leave the entertaining to you for subsequent evenings all right thank you <laughs> it's a good crowd and he uh, <laughs> heads out the door sleep takes you eventually up in your room and the next day well really the next thing you realize is you're you're walking along a forest edge, looking up at the stars. Very similar to how this strange excursion began, but then all of a sudden you hear a voice of a friend call behind you, and you turn to see their face. Oryx seemed like a bit of a loner, but... I'm glad he had Gladstone with him to keep him company. We all need a friend on the journey. Even a simple innkeeper like me needs one, and, like it or not, I have Mr. Boots. Even if the cursed cat is always underfoot. I hope Oryk finds his way wherever he's headed next. I'll write again soon and share more tales with you. Once this illness has fully left me, I plan to recount one of the most harrowing tales of danger I've heard in some time. Till then.